Hi, welcome to the Total Fit Boss Chick podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Parks. And joining me today is Usman Ahmed, who helps entrepreneurs and professionals achieve equilibrium in their relationships with themselves and others through high impact, fast track methods. Now, today we're discussing sacrificing a balanced life for business. Is work-life balance possible? I don't know. Let's see. We're going to find out. And does more money mean that we're more happy? Life is too short. Trying to run a business and balance what you love. I'm your host, Brittany Parks, a former corporate marketing drone and certified life coach turned mompreneur who got fed up with the mom guilt that comes from trying to have the perfect work-life balance. Why can't we have a fit life and a fit business? I'm here to make it easier to be your own boss and enjoy your life. Tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We're going all in with interviews with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, risk takers, coaches, and side hustlers, along with solo episodes with yours truly to provide actionable tools, tactics, processes, and even case studies so you can discover how to create, maintain, and or grow a total fit lifestyle you deserve. You're listening to the Total Fit Boss Jig Podcast. Welcome to the show, Lizman. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on this show. It's such a pleasure. Uh, and I can't wait to get into those questions. They're such relevant topics in this day and age, especially with the online world. Oh, yes. With so many of us working from home or transitioning back into the regular world and all those different things, it we think that we have a lot of more work-life balance when we're all in the house, but sometimes we actually work more. Yeah, exactly. And then where people are working, yeah, one thing which I find with many entrepreneurs, it's there's two things about time management. One is planning the time management of the future, but the second part is always missing. And the second part is tracking the time of the past. Mm. And what does that mean? Tracking, let me use an analogy of two people. One person, they've done eight hours worth of work. And at the end of the day, they look at their eight hours and they think, oh, I'm really happy. I've done eight hours. I've done eight tasks, let's just say. And they're really happy, really positive. Then you've got another person who has actually done 10 hours worth of work, but they don't know how much they did because they didn't track it. So they actually think in their mind, oh, I only did seven hours and I've not done enough. But in reality, the second person did more work, more tasks, got more done than the first person. Uh, but yet the second person feels terrible. And the first person, because they tracked their time, they tracked their tasks, they actually know what they did. They feel positive. They feel so grateful that, yes, I had a wonderful day. I did X, Y, Z, and I got this much done. Maybe I didn't get these few things, but that's fine because I've done so much. I'm really happy. So that's the power of tracking time and time management. Planning the future is important, but tracking the past is just as important. So, yeah. So powerful. So powerful. Jim Rohn once said, either you run the day or the day runs you. And I'm right. a firm believer of that idea. So yeah. tell us, should we sacrifice a balanced life for our business? So should we sacrifice balanced life for our business? A wonderful question. And the, the simple answer, in my opinion, is a no. <laughs> That's a simple answer. But there's always, in, in the world that we live in, there are 7 billion or more people. There's always a general answer, which is it depends. But the general answer is a no, because what happens is if a person lives an imbalanced life and by imbalanced let's just say they're working 
80 hours a week there's no time for their partner no time for their children or very little time your children are growing up without seeing you you know husband wife are there's very little time to each other no quality and the person's thinking that I'm working to make our life better Mm -hmm. but then when you finally got that the finance the money the income that you want your children are teenagers now and they're thinking mom dad I don't really know you I want to spend time with my friends I don't want to spend time with you and so then what happens is when you've made the money, the entrepreneur wants balance then. But the most, the, the mistake that happens is they don't know how to achieve that balanced life because they've created a habit of working 80 hours a week or 70 hours or 60 hours a week. And once you've created a new habit, it is very hard to break the habit. Making a new habit is easy, but when you have to break a habit to make a habit, that's hard. So when a person is in, in the habit of working 80 hours a week, to break that habit is going to be very tough for that person. I know people who are workaholics, whether they're busy professionals or they are entrepreneurs, they love working so much, but then the pain of losing relationships and losing their health, when that pain becomes so painful, only then do they actually think, I need to do something about this. And they're letting the pain build up and up and up and up to the point where they have no choice. And that's when they do something. The point of almost like no return. The main point to it is the habit. If they create a habit of imbalance now, it will be hard to break that habit later. And that's why it is 100% possible to have a wonderful balanced life and at the same time, do your entrepreneurship journey it's perfectly possible and it's so you're saying it's not a fairy tale (laughs) it's not a fairy tale in my opinion the people who say it's a fairy tale are the ones who they want to live that life because when you're an entrepreneur you love what you do I love what I do I'm sure you love what you do Mm -hmm. and when you're so passionate about what you do then you can sacrifice other things for the thing that you love to do but some of those things are not worth sacrificing. If you've got young children, I have young children, mm-hmm. a two-year-old and a five, six-year-old. So there, if I sacrifice that this time, I'm not going to get back with them. So mm-hmm. if you've got young children, you won't get that time back with them. And it's the most important time in your children's life is to spend when they're young, because when they're older, you can't create the bond in the same way that you can have when they're young when they're young that bond lasts forever it lasts into teenagehood and adulthood but when you don't have it when they're really young and you try to form it when they're older you can ask any parent who's done that it's a lot harder Yes, I totally agree. I actually have some interesting statistics that support exactly what you were saying. 48% of Americans consider themselves workaholics. And I'm sure that this number is across the board in the UK and pretty much across the board. And 60% of American workers lack work-life balance and 77% experience burnout. That number just increases and you end up doing all of that for what? Not having that relationship with your family or your loved ones, be it that you have children or that you have friends or spouse, you sacrifice so much. So what does it actually mean to have a balanced life? Wonderful question. So I like to summarize it in three pillars. The first pillar is having a balanced life. Number one is having healthy relationship with people number two healthy relationship with yourself and number three healthy relationship with objects which is the materialistic world now why is that in my opinion what balance is related to 
The reason is that let's say we've got there's a relationship with husband, wife, and so on. There's this relationship, but then there's a, when you think about the word balance, you normally think about time. Most people normally think about I've got time for this, time for that, time for this, time for all the different things in the day. But relationship doesn't always require lots of time. It requires quality time. Mm-hmm. It requires the quality time. And so a, a good a spouse relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, partner, they, they don't need three hours a day with each other. The, what they need is quality time. And that could be half an hour or it could be an hour. And it's the same with the children. And it's the same with the relationship with yourself. You need quality time with yourself. You need to enjoy being alone and a time for exercise and then a relationship with food, a relationship with money and finance. So let me show you an example of what I mean by relationship with money. There's four relationships with money that person could have that are all negative. The first one is the spender. Whenever they get money, they, they just spend it. And the reason they spend it so much is because deep down inside, internally, they think that money is a bad thing. So if I have money, I'm a bad person. So I have mm. to give it away. The, uh, the second relationship, interesting, that isn't it? Second, uh, second person is the saver that I have to have money. I have to have money. If I don't have money, I'm going to be you know, in trouble. So they don't spend on the things that they should spend. So it impacts their balance in life. The spender is impacted in their balance of life by always losing money and splashing out. So mm. they're, they're spending it on holidays. Then they're spending it on items for the house and upgrading this and upgrading that and having the latest things all the time. Whereas to have a balanced life, you don't need a lot of that. You can actually cancel it out and save a lot of time. So the third one is the avoider, the one who doesn't even want to look at bills, doesn't even want to do the Excel sheets and the accounts. Mm -hmm. So that's affecting their balance because their mental health now is disturbed. That Oh, no, I don't want to think about that. Don't talk to me about money, not another bill. So their balance in life is disturbed. And the fourth one is the money monk, the one who thinks that they're a spiritually high person and then money is a bad thing. So I don't want to talk about money. And that's not true. Money's not, it's neither good nor bad. It's, it's completely neutral. So the good relationship with money is where, where a person is emotionless towards it, that you just treat it like numbers. And if you treat it like numbers, you just send it to where it needs to go. You have a perfect balance with money because there's no emotional connection. All of the positivity comes from it by having a super well-organized money management system by I say super organized I just mean it's really simple but it's really powerful a six jar system that I teach and that I've learned from my mentors and, and so on but it's it's very powerful six jar system and that gives you a nice balance a thousand pound a thousand dollars comes in exactly which pots to put it in and it's nicely balanced and it goes to where it needs to go so the coming back to balance and why the relationships are where the balance lies is because in every relationship, it affects you externally and it affects you internally. And if you want to have a perfect balance in life, your internal and external need to be in balance as well. And relationships are the things which cause the disunity between your external world and your internal world. So when the relationship with yourself, with people and with objects are in harmony, then your internal and external world become in balance and then everything is nicely balanced. Mm. So does that make sense? Yes, it makes so much sense. And now you've just driven me to have to go into the details of the six-star system. Can you briefly touch on the six-star system? Of course, this, the person, I have to attribute it to the people that I learned from, um, T. Harv Eckert, he's the author of the 
Secret of the Millionaire Mind. And it's an amazing book. And he has amazing workshops and trainers all over the world. And he pretty much teaches people to become millionaires. That's what he does now. And it's been going on since 1993. So it's worldwide renowned. And his system is that 55% of your income should be for necessities. And so necessities are like your bills, your gas, electrics, and water, and utilities, and all these things. Anything which you class as a necessity. Then 10% is for long-term saving for spending. So LTSS. Long-term saving for spending is things, one-off things like uh, a car insurance, or we call it MOT, where we fix our car once a year mm-hmm. and have it checked and so on. Maybe it's a one-off holiday. So anything which is a one-off, which is going to come up, but it's not monthly. And the third one is your play account, your fa- my favorite account. <laughs> so play account, an account that we reward ourselves with. So you imagine we're making all this money, but then you know, I feel guilty. I don't want to, I don't want to buy this. I don't want to spend that on me. I don't, I don't deserve the new iPod or earpod and so on. I don't even know what these things are. The latest technology gadgets, there's always more things coming out. So I might think to myself, well, I don't deserve that. But when I look at my play account, I think, ah, I've got this X amount in there. I can spend from what there, whatever I want, because I'm rewarding myself. And it's only 10%. Okay. So then the next one is your financial freedom account. So this is an account where a person is 10%, uh, an account where a person just invests in things that they want to invest in. Because if I want to become an investor, I have to learn to invest. And one of the biggest things about investing is generally invest what you can afford to lose. If it's going to put you in turmoil and anxiety and stress, then you don't invest. Simple as that. But when you invest in something, then you just think, okay, so I've lost it. Let it grow. And it's just 10%. So Mm -hmm. that's the, and this is not financial advice. That's just what I've been taught. That's what I do. (laughs) Okay. Disclaimer. And the the last one is the 5% give account. So this is the charity account. It's 5% and you can give to um, charity. You can give gifts from there. So when I put my 5% aside, anything that I want to buy gifts for people, I don't need to worry. Oh, I've got to buy this person a birthday gift. You just, I just look on my give account spend it from there and there we are and Mm. do you see it takes all the emotion out now some people listening to this will think if I look at my expenses and I'll see 55% doesn't cover my expenses the first thing to do is cut down all of the things that you don't need and you should aim for around 30% saving money is the same as making money I'll say that again saving money is the same as making money if you can say one more time (laughs) saving money is the same as making money. Yeah. And it's so important because sometimes we have two gym memberships and we don't use either of them. So why not just cancel that rather than going and making an extra, I don't know, $50, $100, $100, pounds, however much it costs, just cancel the things that we're not using. Mm-hmm. So the first step is cut down 10, 20, 30% of our expenses that we don't use. And then after that, what we can start to do is finances into these jars, organize them into six bank accounts. I even use envelopes. Some people use envelopes for the Mm -hmm. charity, for the play, because it's nice to have cash. And when you have cash, I know in the coronavirus world, we're, we're all going contactless, but if you, it's a wonderful thing to have a good relationship with money. It gives you that nice balance. When you see the money and you're spending it on yourself and you feel this reward, you get these endorphins, you get this positive dopamine. Whereas when you don't have a play account, it's negative. It's the opposite of dopamine that, oh, I don't deserve this. And that's negative self-talk. That's not going to help an entrepreneur. When you get to reward yourself for the hard work you've done, it motivates you even more to do to be successful and when you when you don't spend on yourself 
it makes you feel negative towards your business and therefore the business is more likely to die. A top tip here is if you have a partner, you can even share the play account with them. Give You have 5% for yourself and give them 5% and say to them, honey, this is for us to spend on each other. I'm going to put 5% of my total income aside and whatever you want to do, we do it together. This is for you to decide. And then what then happens is they feel even more positive towards you and your business because one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs is that they're doing their business journey and their partner is not supportive of them. That is hard. Mm -hmm. And the way to make it easy is let them feel direct positivity, the, the direct influence of your business if they feel that they will motivate you they'll push you they'll encourage you they'll support you every partner has their successful partner with them yeah and that's one of the ways that they have it is let your partner be uh, directly benefit from your business and this is just one of those ways yeah that's so powerful because just saying that that is a great answer to a question that I didn't ask yet, but that was great. That was great because I think a lot of people need the support of their partners and they don't have it. And I think that's an answer that many people don't give. A lot of times you hear things like, oh, include them, ask them or get their advice or share some certain things, but you're saying actually share some of the proceeds and let them be a part of it that way. I think that is a great idea and a great way of seeing a way to tie in the relationship. But I'm interested in knowing what the audience is thinking. This is our interactive segment. So if you're listening in real time, go to the IG stories at the Total Fit Boss Chick, and we're going to have this poll question listed. Can money make you happy? If you aren't listening in real time, no worries. Check the IG highlights for the responses to the poll questions, and you can still weigh in. Now for the question, (laughs) can money make us happy? The simple answer is no. Okay. And this is a controversial question. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that some people will think, yes, it does. It buys things and things make me happy. And other people will say, no, it doesn't because happiness is a different thing and so on. Now, some of the best, some of the best people to ask are the people who've made money. Those who've made money can actually tell you uh, money makes me happy or not. Whereas if a person's not made money and they don't have financial freedom, then they're not really in the right position to say money makes them happy or not. Uh, And it's really important I mention this part because everyone's entitled to their opinion and that's 100%, that's perfectly fine. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. But sometimes we have to get the opinion of the people who've experienced it. So let powerful. me give you an example. So powerful. Yes. <laughs> let me give an example. If I asked you, how does, is, is a mango, does a, does a mango taste nice? Now, if I ask someone who's never tasted a mango, never seen a mango in their whole life, how will their opinion like be valid? Because they've never experienced a mango. But if I ask someone who grows mangoes and sells mangoes and trades mangoes for as a living, they would have experienced all the different types of mangoes in the world. And they will tell you, yeah, 100% mangoes are delicious. I love them. And you've got this and this type and that type. They can tell you all day long. So the who you ask is actually really important and whose opinion so that, that's the first thing for everyone listening to know is that uh, it's important that we always ask people who are who have experience of something and so the reason that's so coming to the answer is this that the path of financial freedom and the path of happiness are two separate paths mm-hmm. they are two separate paths and they are very commonly confused and overlap 
And so what I mean by that is many times because of the advertising and the marketing world, especially what we live in today, many people are selling people a financial dream, become wealthy by doing X, Y, Z, e-commerce and property and all these different things. But then what they're saying to them is you will be happy if you have this. You will be able to fulfill your dream if you have this. You will be able to travel the world that you've always wanted to do if you have this. So they're attaching the happiness as the goal for financial freedom. And that's where the, the confusion. So it's not people's fault that they're confused. And at the same time, it's not those advertisers and marketers' fault that they're confusing people because they're marketing and they've got to build into the pain points of people to get their attention. So it's just the way the world is right now. So what I'm saying is the path of financial freedom is a separate path. That's an external path. It's external. It's, you've got to do things externally for it. And the path of happiness is an internal path. Mm. You don't have to do things externally every time because happiness is not an external factor. It's an internal factor. So you have to travel an internal journey. Does that make sense? That's clear sense. I love it. Because normally my response would be, no, it doesn't buy happiness, but it sure puts a nice down payment on it. <laughs> uh, so this is one of the secrets of happiness. It's rarely ever mentioned. And I don't like to say that they're secrets because they shouldn't be secrets. They should be given to the whole world so mm -hmm. that everyone can have them. They're pearls of wisdom. And this is one of them. You can either want what you have or you can want what you don't have. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say that part again. You can want what you have, or you can want what you don't have. Majority of the people in the world, probably 9.9%, .9%, they want what they don't have. And if you want what you have, then instantly you become happy because I want a cup of tea. I have tea right here. I want coffee. I've got coffee right here. I want to sleep. Okay. I can go to bed and, and sleep. I want um, some milkshake. I've got milkshake right here. Whatever I have, if I want it, so let's say I want, I want my child, I'll go to my child. They're right there. My children are right there. So when you, I want oxygen. So powerful. So if you want what you, if you direct, where you direct your want is up to you. It's in your willpower to direct your want, whatever you want. Now, the problem is many of us are directing our want, our desire to something that we don't have yet. It's not in our hands and therefore we're not allowing ourselves to be happy because you become happy when you have your desire so why not just desire the thing that you have yes yes what i've just said there requires reflection because when you reflect on it when a person thinks about it deeply that can really change their life and why i say that the advertising and the marketing world won't teach you this is because they teach you you will only be happy when you have a million pounds you will only be happy and trust me there's nothing wrong with a million dollars or pounds even i aim for these things but I'll, we'll talk about targets in a show because i love to talk about targets and so on but i aim for these things but it's really important to be free from the results so that's another point about happiness but we'll come to that so come so summarizing this one want what you have and don't want what you don't have now the natural question that the next person is going to ask who listens to this is well if i don't want what i don't have i'm not going to go after it and right. that's not true that's not true because this comes back to experiential the person who's experienced this then they will know it. What it means is I am free from the result. So let's say there's an entrepreneur, they have a target, $10,000, $20,000 a month. That's their target. Now they've got this target. If they want that, then there's the problem. The problem is that they want that. 
what they should want is something that they can directly do. The things that they can directly do, for example, I can send out th this message to this number of people. I can book this number of calls. I can offer this number of calls to people. I can offer this number of podcasts. I can make myself available for this number of podcasts and I can do this many YouTube videos. So they should want what they can do. They should never want the result that comes from what they do. Do you see the difference? Right. Want what you can do don't want the result of what you can do and when a person has this mindset shift then they are free they're completely mentally free from whether they make money or don't make money you are free from it you're not disturbed at all whether you make it or you don't make it you're happy either way and that's the path of happiness it is there the path of financial freedom was in the actions but the path of happiness was in that mentality and that mindset that is beautiful. Oh my goodness. I am floored and I know the audiences as well. What else can you tell us about those targets and results? Sure. Wonderful. So the majority of whenever targets and results and goals and so on are, are taught in the world, they're always taught as a future thing that if you get X, Y, Z, if you achieve a hundred K a year, or if you achieve this goal and that goal, if you reach your weight goals and your exercise goals, then you'll be happy. So part of the problem is that the, the goals are in the future and we are deep down inside in our internal self. We're telling ourselves, I will only be happy when I reach the goal. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean if my goal is two, six months away? It means that this entire six months, I'm not happy. And then the second problem is that once I reach those goals in six months time, I'll be happy for a short while. Then I'll be in the habit of making a new six month goal. And guess what happens then? I'm not happy for another six months. <laughs> so that's an endless cycle of unhappiness and negative emotion. And that's not a way to live. So yeah, make the goal for the future, but it should be a goal of what I can do, not a goal of what's the results, because mm -hmm. the results are not in my control. It should right. be a goal of what I can do. Become free from the results completely and your mind will be transformed. So I wouldn't recommend people make a financial goal of this, make a financial goal of that, because those are results-based and results are not in your control. What you can say is, I can do this number of calls today. How about in three months' time, I am doing, instead of three calls, I hire someone and I do one call and they do three calls. So that's action-based. I can hire someone. I could hire someone today. That has the direct impact on the finance, doesn't it? I don't want to confuse anyone. One is that the goal is in the future and most people stay negative but unhappy until they've reached the goal. Then when they reach the goal, they make a new goal. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is, yes, put the goal in the future, but then forget about it. Mm -hmm. Put the goal there and the goal should be something along the lines of what's in your ability to do, not a result-based thing, an action-based thing. You have to have actions for the day. So the way to do this is like this. We make a goal six months down the line, then we break it down three months into the future. Then we right. bring it one month into the future, then one week, and then one day. And so the one day actions are directly leading to the one week, the one week leads to one month leads to the three months and the three months leads to the six months. And when you do it that way, they're all directly connected. So then your focus is on the present, which is today. So yeah. as and our mind should always be in the present moment. If your mind lives in the future, you miss the moment. 
Yes. You you broke that down so beautifully. I actually have a blog post that I do the exact same thing and breaking it down all the way into daily steps, but you just made it. So (laughs) you made my, you made those words sing and it's just so beautiful. And it's funny that you say that as well, because my son wants to start a YouTube channel and he said, my goal is to have a hundred subscribers. And I said, no, don't make that your goal. Make the actions your goals. I think that's beautiful. So please continue on, but I just definitely wanted just to share with you. I could not agree with you more. That is just amazing advice, guys. I love it. The reason why this is also important to me is because in my entrepreneurship journey, my relationship with God and my spiritual journey was the most important thing to me. And I never wanted to let any entrepreneurship get in the way of that. And I loved entrepreneurship. If anything, my spiritual journey helped my entrepreneurship and my entrepreneurship helped that journey as well. So they both helped each other because the qualities behind them, self-discipline and all these wonderful things that we have to do to in entrepreneurship, they apply to both just in different fields of life, just like they apply in marriage and parenting and finance. The same quality can be transferred in all fields of life. There's four types of freedom. There's geographical freedom. And this is a nice balance where geographical freedom means work from wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Work from wherever you want. Time freedom just means work whenever you want work whenever you want for me it's quite late right now but I'm working I I chose to be I wanted to be and so work whenever you want the third one is choice freedom work doing whatever you want a person still has to work there but you can work doing what you want and for me at one time I was teaching first aid I used to be a high school science teacher and after that I went into tuition I had a tuition agency I taught first aid, I did supply teaching and I loved my life then. I always say that I had no reason whatsoever to change it. I had these three freedoms, geographical, time freedom and choice freedom. I had choice because I could change them. But one thing I didn't have was the fourth one and that was financial freedom. And financial freedom is when you can choose not to work. And (laughs) you've got the choice not to work anymore. Passive income comes in and it covers all your expenses and you're free to do what you want to do. And to have that, a person does not need to be like a millionaire. You don't need to be there. And this is why I'm a very great advocate for living a balanced life whilst doing entrepreneurship, because I did it. I never let extremes in my life go to extremes. I brought them back to balance way before they did. But in my journey, I met so many people who lost so many things. They would say because of their entrepreneurship, but I would say because of their lack of skill in balance. And what I realized was having a balanced life is actually a skill. It's not the entrepreneurship journey's fault. It's not business's fault. It's just our lack of balance. And that's a skill. Just like we learn to drive, we have to learn to drive life as well. Yes, yes, I totally agree. So that really drives me to the next Mm -hmm. question. How are you balancing all of this? How are you balancing your entrepreneurship and your family? What are your productivity secrets? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is time management. Time management is one of the relationships with oneself. So, you know, under the three relationships, there's a few different things. Under relationship with people, you've got relationship with the partner, relationship with children, relationship with um, work colleagues, relationship with charity, uh, and so on, relationship with a family, and so on. And then the relationship with yourself, this is the most powerful one. 
because there's a true saying and I know this from experience as well that if you cannot love yourself you cannot love others you know and so the relationship with yourself is so important and under that there's about seven uh, modules that I teach and one of them is your relationship with your time and time management is nothing more than your relationship with time and time is your life and it's it's just self-management so when a person masters time compared to a normal person who doesn't have time management skills you know really powerful ones they can do three times more in their life than a person who doesn't and that's how powerful time management is and time management is not that I'm a machine and I'm doing one thing after another no there's got to be breaks there's got to be flexibility that the most powerful time management is where you take two things into account emotions and energy yes and energy so I explained to someone today and he was shocked at the energy one and I said that when your energy is high do you ride the wave and when your energy is low do you know how to take it up and so we have four types of energy this is one of the relationship with yourself is, is your energy as well and it overlaps with time management because when my energy is high I should take advantage of that so for all our creative people listening when you're in the mode of creativity that's a high energy state you can do your artwork you can write your lyrics you can you can paint and you can draw and you can create and you can content create when you're in a low energy mode that's when we should do the low energy tasks such as administration tasks maybe the simpler easier things on the mind and so if you take your energy into account when you're doing time management then you'll benefit the most and you'll make the most of that time. The only downside to it is you don't know what your energy is going to be like. I don't know what my energy will be like tomorrow at 4 p.m. And that is why time management is a ever living and changing thing. If you plan it for the next 24 hours, you do not have to follow it word for word. It's not necessary because you do not know what your energy will be like. This is why time tracking is so important. So let me put it this way. This is a nice, simple principle. You plan and when things happen beyond your control, you replan. That's a good time management skill is replanning, replanning, replanning. And so let's say a guest comes to my house. I know in the lockdown world, we have this, but olden days, let's say, guest comes, <laughs> do I say, oh no, guest, I've got to go to the gym now. You've got to go. No, we don't say that. But instead we say, no, please come in. Let me give you a coffee, cup of tea, and let's talk and, and let the guest enjoy themselves and then let the guest go in their own time. And then look at your timetable and think, okay, what did I miss? And then you've got a choice of three things. Either the task that you missed is something that you have to make up, in which case you reschedule it, or it's a task which is okay to miss, such as a gym session. It's not the end of the world if we miss one gym session. So it's okay. I can cancel that. It's not a problem. And so it tells you what you did and what you didn't do, and it allows you to replan. It's not written in stone. It's meant to be changed throughout the day. Do you see that that can also enable you to live a happy, balanced life? If a person makes a a timetable for 24 hours and then they're so strict on it, that if someone rings them when at a time when they're not meant to be rang, they get angry with them. They say, oh, this is not my time to take a phone call. But that's not a good way to be with someone. It's It would be nicer to say, hi, how are you? And if you can't take a call, you just don't take a call. And so it's accepting the things beyond your control. Emotions are so important and they're not talked about enough. And there's about 30 main emotions that human beings go through. Emotions is not a gender thing. Every human being on the face of the earth feel and go through emotions. And the difference is that 
some express it and some don't. When you express your emotion, the harm or the hardship in the emotion decreases. Just by talking about it, the stress is relieved. And when we don't talk about it, then it implodes. And if we act from the emotion, so let's say I'm angry and I act out of the anger, it's going to destroy my balance internally and my balance externally. It's going to harm my relationship with family, children, even business as well. But whereas if I wait for the emotion to pass and I give myself a bit of time, an hour, two hours, however long it takes, then I make a decision. Then I'm going to make a logical decision. Okay, so the reason emotions are so important in time management is if I don't know what emotion I'm in, I'm going to make a sudden decision in an emotional state. And whenever we make decisions in emotional states, they're generally bad decisions. Hardly ever are they good decisions. Let me give you an example. I'm, a, I'm in a very happy state. I've just made a huge sale. And I say to my wife, we're going to go on holiday wherever you want. And she says, OK, how about we go to such and such? And I say, yes, we're going there. It's, uh, I don't know. holiday and I say yes and then afterwards I think what did I just say and now I'm like oh I can't go back on my word I have to say that so that is from a happy emotional state but the same thing happens from a bad emotional state I'm going to talk about positive and negative emotions because there are no such things we'll talk about them but from a painful emotional state let's say anger or sadness the same thing happens people make decisions that are in an emotional state that are not good and Time management is decisions. That's all it is. Time management is how you decide to use your time. So if you make emotional decisions, you will decide to use it in a bad way, in a non-productive way. So that there's the connection. Time management is just decisions. And if a person is, is unaware of their emotional state, they'll make bad decisions. But if you're aware of your emotional state, you can make good decisions. Let me give an example. If a person is mentally drained, you know, that they've done so much throughout the day and they feel like I've done a lot and yet their mind is telling them, the emotional state is telling them, take a break and they don't take it. This is how they lead to burnout and they, it gets worse and worse and worse because they're attached to those results that we talked about before. They want those results. So they keep doing it every day like this. And then one day comes and they feel this emotional state saying to them, just give up. This is not worth it. And that's where the business dies. And it was because of burnout. It was because of doing too much. It was because of not taking a break. It was because of not listening to their emotional states and just not taking care of their relationship with themselves. And so I, I end this part with this wonderful teaching and I love it so much. And that is there is no business problem. There is only a personal problem manifested in business. Wow. I know. I'll say it again. There is there is no business problem. There is only a personal problem manifested in business. And it's so true. So true. Yes, that is so true. So true. Which brings me to one of the, the my favorite parts of the show, the mentoring moment segment. When we are able to you know, speak to the audience and give them a mentoring moment on a random question. So the question is, At your lowest point, what advice would you need to hear? Wonderful question. The advice that I would need to hear is a reminder that no one is my greatest cheerleader but me. No one in the world is going to cheer me on the way I can cheer myself on. And so when I'm at my lowest point, I have to remind myself that cheer myself on, raise myself up, do positive self-talk, remind me of all the good things that I've done and achieved and all the people I've helped and lift myself up emotionally and mentally. 
Because when I do that and I'm at my lowest point, I'll never reach a lowest point again. If I need someone else to help me when I'm at my lowest point, then I will reach another low point. But if I don't need anyone to raise me up when I'm at my lowest point, I'll never need someone to raise me up at a lowest point again because I'll never reach a lowest point. Oh, yes. So the way we speak to a child is the way we should speak to ourselves. So I'm, I'm going to demonstrate it for you. I'm going to speak to myself in the harmful way. And then I'm going to speak to myself in the positive way. Man, you are terrible. What are you doing working at this time of the night? Why are you after all this? Don't you get tired of this? Why don't you stop this? Why don't you just go back to working and, and so on? Now, for me, that sounds so odd saying that because I haven't mm-hmm. heard that from myself in such okay. a long time. <laughs> so instead, this is what I would say. These are the positive self-talks. Osman, keep going. You're helping so many people by God's grace. You are helping this person. You've lifted that person. You've saved that marriage. You've done so many things. You've come out of the really difficult period in your life and you've come out successful and and happy. You saved those people who were hurtful to you. You went and mended relationships with them. So you can go on and say all these Mm. good things to yourself. And it's wonderful. And it's not being arrogant. It's just mm-hmm. reminding yourself of all the good that you've done and attributing it to, uh, I personally attribute it to God. I never mm-hmm. attribute it to myself, but it's lifting oneself up so that a higher power, whoever a person wants to believe in and lifting yourself up and then you've energized yourself and you're ready to go. You're ready to do anything. Asmin, this is just an amazing teaching. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I wish I could have you on every month for just a special segment. Yes, guys. I know that you want to know how to reach out to Usman because he's just got so much to give and we want to keep getting it. So please let everybody know how they can reach you. Of course. Yeah. So I've got a Instagram you know, profile and I have a Facebook profile as well. Uh, they can direct message me on either of those platforms. And the, the name of my company is Aquilibrium. I'll spell it for you. I do love the word though. I'm in love with the word. So equilibrium comes from the word equilibrium, uh, but it's with an A instead of an E. And all it means is equilibrium is a state of perfect harmony and balance. And aqua comes from water. So A-Q-U-A, aqua comes from water. And we're made, human beings are 75% water. And the world is about 70% water as well. And so there's a message in there that we should behave like water if we want to be in a state of harmony. Yeah, exactly. So for example, when there's a storm, there's a storm, but after the storm, the water knows what to do. It humbles itself and returns back to perfect balance. The river, it flows to the sea and the river is always clean because it flows. So what that means is if I have something to give, I should give. And then what I have inside me will remain clean and pure because I'm always giving. And the rain falls upon the good and the bad. So it doesn't differentiate between color of skin. It doesn't differentiate between gender. It doesn't differentiate between age. It gives to everyone. It doesn't even differentiate between good and bad. It gives to everyone. So be like the rain and give to give mercy to everyone because the rain is like mercy to the world. It's growing the crops all over the world, you know, feeding everything. So equilibrium has a great meaning. And one of the meanings to me is that it's a state of no regrets, living a life of no regrets. That's what that equilibrium means. Yes. So Aqualibrium on Facebook, it is Aqualibrium Academy. So that's A-Q-U-A-L-I-B-R-I-U-M, Aqualibrium Academy. 
and on so there's a facebook group there's a facebook page as well and on instagram it's the same just with a dot in the middle so equilibrium.academy so those are the two ways to contact me and it's not yeah. to worry i will have those links so you don't <laughs> have to worry about where to find it or wreck out trying to trying to write it down i have those links for you in the show notes so you can just click right through and get right over to get all of this yummy goodness that we just got today we got all the wisdom we could possibly get in this short period of time you have been such a wealth of knowledge and inspiration and a wonderful glow of energy and so i definitely appreciate you coming on to the show thank you so much yeah thank you so much as well i can't be more grateful thank you as always thanks for listening and if you got value out of the show please show us some love and rate us by going to ratethispodcast.com backslash total fit boss chick you're listening to the total fit boss chick podcast bye for now